Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Where is he? Come on. We have to help them. Hold up. Ruffy, the fight's that way. Look at it. No one is fighting. You've got about 40 people lined up along the side of the building. With Romulan disruptors pointed at them. I was told to expect a bloodbath. This isn't it. Yet. This isn't it yet. We can still stop them. Uh, fine. What's your plan? This for a start. It's an exciting time right now because... We are prepping for season two of Star Trek Picard. We're so close to that second season premiere. But as a bonus, we are getting Star Trek Picard now in the form of an audio drama. Hi, I'm Bruce Gibson here on Positively Trek. And with me to listen to the audio drama is Dan Gunther. How you doing, Dan? Hey, Bruce. Doing well. Really excited. We're actually recording this on the release day of this audio drama so it's fun seeing the the internet kind of light up with the the comments about it and people's first impressions and that sort of thing so uh yeah i'm really excited to talk about this one yeah so it's called no man's land from star trek picard or based on star trek picard written by kirsten Beyer and mike johnson now we've talked with them before on this show and other shows that we've been on And, you know, they've written a lot of comics together, but this is the first time they've done an audio drama. And really, this is the first time we've had an audio drama in like forever. I mean, I mean, that's going I mean, it's been at least 20 years, if not more than that, actually. It's been a long time. Yeah. The, The ones that I really remember are like the Captain Sulu adventures on cassette tape back in the 90s. That's those are the ones that I remember. It's been forever since then. <laughs> I know. I actually wanted to re-listen to those, and I have a CD of one of them, and then the others are on cassette tapes, and I'm like, oh, I know we have a cassette tape player somewhere here in the house. I'd have to go find it. I honestly but, don't yeah. think I have anything that can play cassette tapes in this entire house, now that I think about it. The, the only one I ever listened to was Envoy, and I remember enjoying it. And But there are a few others. Cacophony, I think, was the name of one of the other ones. And yeah, A Captain Sulu Adventure is how they were titled. And I definitely have fond memories of listening to that one. Yeah, George Takei was on them. So we had the star power. And on this one, we have the star power, too, because Jerry Ryan plays Seven of Nine and Michelle Hurd plays Rafi. So there's some other actors in there too playing original characters to this audio drama and it's quite a good listen there's sound effects and such so it really is a true audio drama it's not an audio book of just narration or or reading the page from a book this is produced for audio only Mm -hmm. and yeah like you said a full cast supporting michelle hurd and jerry ryan including fred tattashore who people might know as Shax and other characters from star trek lower decks i was trying to kind of pick out which characters were his as i listened and, and there's one for sure that i know is him i don't know if he played other characters as well but yeah anyway <laughs> which one do you think for sure is him 
Oh, he was definitely the uh, Romulan warlord Rhinan. I'm pretty sure that was him. You I know, could be I wrong. If I'm wrong about that, I, I'm very sorry because I never did actually look that up. But I was just like, oh, that sounds a, there's a, like a little hint of shacks in there. <laughs> I can I can hear that now that you're saying it. But here's who I thought. Now, I honestly didn't think this was the voice actor that was doing it. But I thought, man, that sounds sometimes like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Hmm. Who plays right? <laughs> like I thought it was like he didn't sneak in the studio and do that voice did he like that's what i thought you know it's so weird <laughs> yeah you, you never know i mean he's been in star trek before so <laughs> that's true so he's an alum he could just come in and do more star trek for all we care yeah no uh, for the record we 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 know he definitely didn't do that <laughs> but no no yeah, no it's an interesting thought <laughs> no I, in my head canon he did let's just say it that way <laughs> there you go head canon just justifies anything these days so it does so I, in my head canon, I'm a multimillionaire. It's, it's fabulous. Oh, I, yeah. Man. I but wish I still, that worked. <laughs> I, still, I still go to work. I don't know why. No. But yeah, that's no. That's my head canon. It's not real. I'm not a multimillionaire. Believe me. If I was, I'd be doing a lot more podcasts because I'd have the time because I wouldn't be working. Hmm. Here, here. Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, why don't you read the back cover to this uh audio drama well i mean i don't have a back cover but if it was on a cd it would be on the back cover yeah for sure star trek no man's land picks up right after the action-packed season one conclusion of star trek picard while raffi and seven of nine are enjoying some much-needed r&r in raffi's remote hideaway their downtime is interrupted by an urgent cry for help a distant, beleaguered planet has enlisted the Fenris Rangers to save an embattled evacuation effort. As Raffi and Seven team up to rescue a mysteriously ageless professor whose infinity-shaped talisman has placed him in the deadly sights of a vicious Romulan warlord, they take tentative steps to explore the attraction depicted in the final moments of Picard Season 1. Yay! Yeah, this is the bridge, people. This is the bridge from season one over to season two. I encourage you to listen to it because I have two times. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely worth picking up and taking a listen to. I think they did a really phenomenal job. And just hearing Rafi and Seven again as their characters in this audio drama, which I think is really well produced, is uh, definitely worth it. Yeah, I th I think it you know almost sounds like you're watching an episode. If you close your eyes, it feels like it's it just sounds like it's coming through the speakers maybe of your TV and you know and you're just watching it. It's 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 good. It's it's really great. But you know what? I think what we should do is talk to the authors who wrote this because like I said they've been on this show before, right? I mean, there's no reason why Kirsten and Mike wouldn't come on here and talk about this audio drama with us. Now, if they said no to coming on here, then I probably would not have listened to this because I would have been so upset and mad and depressed that they didn't come. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course I would listen to it. But they did offer to come on. And actually, they asked us. We didn't ask them. And we'll be right back with them after this quick break. 
Thank you so much to our Patreon supporters for helping us to bring you this episode of Positively Trek. We truly could not do it without your support. To join the ranks of our Patreon supporters, such as Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, and John Blaber, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can join at any level to receive perks such as early access to episodes and exclusive bonus content. And at higher levels, there are shoutouts and associate producer credits, and much more. Thank you once again for your support of Positively Trek. And now, let's get back to the show. Well, we want to welcome to the show Kirsten Beyer and Mike Johnson, who wrote this wonderful audio drama, No Man's Land. And so, how are you two doing today? Fantastic. I'm great. It's very exciting. Good. You don't sound all that excited, Mike. I, uh, well, it's five o'clock. I'm like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's five. It's five p.m. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm backsliding. I'm very excited. It's a great day. <laughs> Excellent. Very cool. I release day. Good. Why don't we go ahead and start with you, Kirsten? And what is the difference in writing an audio drama compared to writing a novel or anything else? Well, it's all about the tools you have access to, right? In prose, um, there is no budget. You can go inside characters' heads, be very clear about what they're thinking, um, all the action you need or want. Uh, In a script, it's all about what are we seeing? And um, rarely, really only in this format, have we ever had to focus so exclusively on just what are you hearing? Um, every sound, every bit of dialogue, every pause, every um, possible musical choice um, becomes important in ways that uh, it doesn't in prose or in a screenplay. So Mike, same question to you. How does this relate to writing comics? It's like the it's really the complete opposite because uh, in comics it's all visual with no sound, and this is all sound with no visual. So um, it was a really cool challenge, a really interesting challenge um, to kind of get my head out of writing really for the artist in comics uh, for describing what they need to be able to to draw the the scene um, versus this one where really thinking about the audience and how they are going to understand what's going on in the scene, um, both by the dialogue, but also what sound effects, background, background, ambient noise. Um, so as Kirsten was saying, it's a, it's a whole new toolbox that we get to play with. So the two of you have worked together on comics before. So did this audio drama come about from the two of you brainstorming an idea to do something like this, or did Simon Schuster approach you? No, Simon and Schuster approached us, and um, Mike was easily uh, the first choice for who I wanted to uh, help me along this journey, (laughs) Um, because we have had such a wonderful collaboration for so many years now uh, in the comics. And, you know, even when we're not uh, talking specifically about projects, we talk a lot just about Star Trek in general and where it is and where it needs to go. And, um, you know, he's just an amazing... Uh, creative partner. Can I say likewise? Sure. I mean, if you have to, twist your arm. She's, uh, I was very <laughs> lucky that she reached out to me to ask me to join her on adventure. And she's just been um, such an amazing partner to work with uh, and a creative brain uh, to get to play story tennis with. 
batting the, the story ball back and forth. And nobody knows Trek more and nobody loves Star Trek more that I've met in in its most profound ways. So um, it was a real blessing. I don't get to tell you this stuff, Kirsten, face to face because they get all shy, but I can say it on it. Aww. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. So this collaboration on, on this then, did it was it a lot different than working on the comics together? Like was the kind of the formulation of the story ideas and that sort of thing, did that work similarly or was it significantly different because of the medium? Well, I think the first part was very similar where we sit down and we just try to figure out what the story is going to be. Um, and then usually in the the comic book writing, Mike very much takes the lead and I take a back seat in terms of um, letting him craft what he needs to for the various artists. Um, and in this, we really just decided to divide and conquer. We picked storylines that um, we felt strongly about and started with those and then gave everything back and forth and wrote and rewrote until we were both happy with everything. Yeah, it was kind of the flip of the comics. I was sort of Robin to Kirsten's Batman on this one. And Kirsten knows the character of Seven so well. It was great to see and to help however I could tell this this cool new chapter of Seven's story that we weren't going to see on the screen, but that will feed into Seven's journey in the future. So did you know going into this that these two actresses had already agreed to do this, or is this something that happened when you developed the story? We developed the story. And then the actors were approached and they agreed to do it. And so then we wrote it. So it was a little bit of both. And I assume that they trust you, Kirsten, because they know you. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose you would have to ask them that. But uh, I do feel pretty confident that, yeah, they trust me. And I certainly trust and have the utmost respect and admiration for them. They are wonderful actors and really, really great people. And it has been a delight get to work with them in any capacity. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, the one thing with, with seven of nine taking such a a huge role in this novel, I definitely saw the, uh, the flavor of kind of the Voyager relaunch stories come into it and your style of writing for that character in particular. I just absolutely love that. So that was fun to listen to. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really tough because in the early days of uh, season one of Picard, um, a lot of times when I was working on that character, I would be told it's too much her old voice, like we're trying to find the new voice. And so I was very conscientious of I just have a in my head a voice that sevens and it's been there for 15 years. So it's very hard to, um, you know, go against that. But um, the more we developed her in season one, the more I got to know her, the more I had a better sense of ways we might be able to expand that, build upon it, not throw it away, um, but use it to inform who she is now. Well, a big part of that, of course, is her relationship with the Fenris Rangers. And and that was always something that during Picard, I was really fascinated by. And even like when those episodes aired, I saw a lot of people online saying, when's the Seven of Nine Fenris Rangers series going to come out now? And we kind of get a little bit of a taste in that here. So was that something that you were eager to explore as to, you know, because we kind of get a little bit of what Seven's life was like between Voyager and Picard. Was that something you were really interested in in taking a look at? 
Yeah, I think everybody working on the tie-in side, that was their first question after Picard premiered, just what, what can we do with Defenders Rangers? And, um, you know, it took a while to answer that question because I think there's going to be, I think it's always going to be a big uh, area for storytellers. Um, but uh, for this first time, we had to, you know, just be very conscious about how we were building the boundaries, you know, and how we were starting to flesh them out, knowing full well that there's got to be, it's just too rich of a story. I think. So I say we're going to go into spoilers now. Wouldn't you say that, Dan? We're going straight Absolutely. In? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so those who, who haven't listened to the audio drama, I don't know what your problem is, but go do it now. Okay. <laughs> Guys, it came out today. Like, give people some time. Well, Maybe that's true, it. but they're not. This isn't live, so they they they're not going to hear this until a few days later, anyway. So they, they've had time. <laughs> but I want to ask Mike if you're now not about listen to this within twenty four hours. They have twenty four hours. If they don't, if they listen to it. <laughs> exactly. It's it's not like it's five hours long. They've got time to listen to it, right, Mike? So what? Tell us about Professor Gillen, like you know about this character and and how. He's able to be ageless for two centuries. Longer than oh, that, no, almost two, two millennia. Two millennia, yeah. Yeah, so Gillen's the example of a character that's sort of a, a MacGuffin in and of itself. A MacGuffin being the thing that a plot circles around. Like, people haven't heard the term, it's like the lost Ark of the Covenant. Uh, something like that. The, the little thing that everything revolves around. But he, in the development of the story, and the writing of the story, he became such a much more fleshed out character that he wasn't just uh, a plot device. He became a real living, breathing person to us. And Kirsten had this brilliant idea of conveying his relationship with his wife through these letters uh, that he wrote and that we hear in his voice. And then we hear in seventh voice as she reads them. So actually that's the perfect example of writing for an audio drama. These letters became a device where we could convey not just exposition, but more, most importantly, emotion uh, for the characters and even show the development of their relationship, uh, Gillen and his wife. So, yes, uh, I would say, actually, the real MacGuffin is the Lemniscape, this object that um, gives the bearer, the holder of it, uh, immortal life. And it's something that um, our bad guy uh, is desperate to get his hands on, line Romulan hands on. That's not a that's not a, a diss of all Romulans. I'm sure there are great Romulans out there, but I don't want to be speaking. <laughs> well, Professor Gillen guy. even has that that great line where he says, "Like I'm sure you know this person you're talking about was a wonderful Romulan, like so many I've met." So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the fun thing about Dylan is he looks like a sweetheart, uh, but also kind of sly. He's got a sly sense of humor. So, yeah. Well, and I think the other thing that was important about him was just that we knew early on that we were going to use his story to eliminate Seven and Rafi's story. So trying to find a way to build his relationship with his wife, because every loving relationship is very different and has its own sort of like, you know, uh, things and works and, and, you know, character. Um, but we wanted his story specifically to be one that would um, challenge and inform and um, in some way reflect um, 
what Seven and Rafi were struggling with. Yeah, because Seven and Rafi are in this relationship and just starting off, and Seven's a little more guarded. I mean, they both are kind of guarded, but Seven is really kind of working through it by reading these letters, and she wants a relationship similar to what Gillen has had with Helena. And she is on this journey of discovering herself and how maybe she can let herself go and take that chance to have a meaningful, loving relationship. I was kind of surprised that the story went there because I thought maybe this would be a relationship that would start to, that start to dive into in season two, which I expect that still would happen, but to actually start to establish that here was really interesting. And I really appreciated that part of the story. Uh, Well, we were lucky that we were going to have the freedom to do that. Um, because it means we're only getting a part of the romance. This is the, the, the weight or the pressure is not on this story to have the full beginning, middle and end. This is, it needs to have its own, you know, um, continuity and, and um, closure, but it's meant to be a bridge between where they began and where uh, we will pick them up in season two. Yeah. And that's interesting. And, and part of that bridge too, seems to be a bit of a, a closer tie to Starfleet with regards to Rafi as well, which was a bit of a surprise. That's one thing I'm loving from mm-hmm. this as well is we're getting movement on this stuff. It's not, it doesn't seem to be a, you know, take the pieces off the shelf and play with them and put them all back. It actually seems to have material weight to what's going to come next in season two, or at least I assume so by where things leave off. Yeah, it definitely tracked the season two. Um, we tried not to spoil anything, but we don't want you to feel like if you've listened to this story and then you start season two, you're like, well, how the hell did this all happen? Um, so so it it was meant to track. And I also think just specifically in terms of Rafi, you know, she was with Starfleet for a really long time. And despite the fact that when we found her at the beginning of Picard season one, she was in a very different place. I don't think anybody who served in that way or for that long, uh, would have found it easy to just walk away and close that door forever. Yeah, and to your point about taking the toys off the shelf, one of the benefits is of Kirsten being involved with the audiobook is that she's so intricately involved with the, with the show itself. And that gives us um, just a better opportunity to make sure it doesn't feel like just a one-off that doesn't really matter. Because fans are so smart and so well-attuned to that. You know, they want to know that what they're investing their time in story-wise um, really matters for the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a question I really want to ask, but I don't know if you're really allowed to answer it. And I hadn't thought about it until now, but these minor characters, will we see any of them in season two? See, Kirsten is on mute. So I take that as a no. There's an airplane oh, going overhead. So oh, I do you always sit outside when like you do that. these. I remember that. I do. <laughs> um. The answer is the short answer is the the other characters other than Seven and Rafi were created specifically for this story um, to to serve very specific purposes within the story, and um, season two and season three were sort of being worked on simultaneously um, while we were this. So uh, there really was not an opportunity to do any kind of overlap. Although I have to say, given given given, uh, I always like to cross the streams, so um, I've already got plans in motion. I would love to put um, one or two of these characters, have them pop up in one of the comics one day. Ooh, excellent. You that's, gave the right that's answer. Exciting. Yes. <laughs> spoiler. Yeah, because there well, are some... Spoiler territory. 
Oh, I love it. So yeah. Spoiler alert within a spoiler alert. It's like Inception spoilers. Spoiler Inception. Yo, dog, we heard you like spoilers, so we gave you spoilers inside of spoilers. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, there are some really great minor characters in here. Uh, I, I love, of course, uh, Hyro and his malapropisms. And <laughs> that's so much fun playing <laughs> around with the language like that. He was a delight to listen to every time he, you know, messed some phrase up or something like that. It was actually really funny um, in having, you know, being limited to just the sounds that people are making and trying to really develop character very clearly uh, only through audio. Um it was just funny the things that we went to and found that felt like, well, surely there are other people in the universe who don't like universal translators. I mean, you know, you take these sort of very common things that we all take for granted, but then you question them a little bit and you, it's amazing what you can find for character when you do that. Yeah. And uh, in that same vein with the universal translators, the character of Deet, which I, I have to say, like that, that is a, a tribute to Dave Gallanter, right? I must- Yes, it is. Okay, excellent. That was lovely. I thought that was beautiful. And I was actually, we were, that was in the works before he passed. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very, very nice. Uh, Dave Gallanter, of course, uh, uh, very, very hugely missed. Uh, I, I think I'm so thankful I had the chance to meet him in person and, and, and speak with him. So, yes. uh, I, I, huge grin on my face when I heard that character name and it kind of clicked. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, yes. do you know anybody by the name of Reinen? I, I kind of hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I think we went through a couple of names yeah. on Reinen because it's your villain. Yeah, it, it can't be like a silly name or it can't be a really familiar name, but it also has to be a Romulan name. Um, head start using an R and an N. That that always helps with Romulan names, but um, yeah, we 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 names are uh, both fun and a giant pain in the in the cell. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is his ultimate goal in this? Besides, I mean, is it just about eternal life and just trying to take over the empire? We have to explain our. Well, as we were talking about it, I mean, did we not? We didn't do a good job. Go ahead, Mike. We didn't do a good job. We have to explain our. No, no it's like the director's cut. Um, yeah. We, uh, he essentially, Romulan society is all about serving the greater Romulan empire. And I think in a different world, maybe in the mirror universe, Reinen would be a courageous freedom fighter who values individual identity and wants to set his own course. Um, in this reality, he is grievously he has a grievous wound to his ego in not being considered worthy of the empire and he essentially wants to start his own so he's an he's essentially an egomaniac yeah and circumstances have given that opportunity with the destruction of the empire in the supernova so <clears throat> well i don't think he's the only person out there who has that goal you know we talked a lot about him being specifically driven by the fact that he was cast out, but in the old Romulan empire, he would never have had really a place. And also his sense that, you know, empires endure based upon the character of the person leading and that they can only be as good or as strong as that individual. So for him, the idea of not only being able to found a new empire, but then lead it forever 
um, felt like the way to secure it in his mind, at least um, most strongly. By the way, that, you know, it seemed like something. Yeah, go ahead. Sir. I was just going to say that's playing out in Ukraine as we speak, <laughs> you know, someone who has complete control <laughs> and wants to ensure an empire and hold on to it as long as humanly possible. It's, it's not a far-fetched yeah, far yeah. sci-fi uh, concept. The interesting thing about Reinen as well is uh, when we first kind of go on his ship and we hear his followers and they, I think they say something like, Hail Ganmadan, which of course we learned from Picard season one is the destroyer, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, the Romulans, most of them anyway, all fear this, but he's kind of almost got this like death cult Mm-hmm. <laughs> worshipping them yeah. too which that was chilling to hear that oh we don't see a lot of affection for his crew from him um, <laughs> he's really only nice to them when, right. they're, when, very scared. when they're serving when they're serving him again uh, another um, aspect of megalomaniacs this has been the megalomaniac podcast thank you for thank you for joining our look into megalomaniacs <laughs> <laughs> well but then he says specifically that his new empire will not be based on fear so he's got a few blind spots. <laughs> so one thing we want to talk about is Seven, too. A little more about that and uh, her time with the Rangers. And if you could shed some light on her time between the end of Voyager and the beginning of Picard and how we're exploring this part of her life. Well, so we don't actually know a lot about that 20-year period. Um, we, we know that we know how she came home um, with Voyager and that even at that time, she had not accepted a commission uh, within Starfleet. Um, we know at some point she walked away from that and joined the Rangers. We don't know why. You know, from Picard, it sounds like she might have been there very in sort of the early days of the formation of the Rangers. But really beyond that and her connections to the loss of Icheb and her connection to the character who she uh, came upon again in Stardust City Rag, we don't know a lot about, about what has happened to her. Uh, but what we do know is that she continues to um, be driven by a desire to help people, especially those who can't seem to help themselves and who don't seem to be under the protection of an organization like the Federation. Um, but she also seems to be very um, protective of her freedoms and that feeling of not not wanting to necessarily belong anywhere for too long, um, you know, and, and there's, there's a million things that could be driving that, but we haven't really dug too deeply into that thus far. Yeah. The, the one line that, that really screamed out to me when I was listening to this was when Rafi accuses seven of, of, you know, not thinking, or, you know, she has to go along with, with what they all think. She says, I spent however many years as a Borg drone. My thoughts are my own now. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, um, it's something that I really do feel strongly. That kind of trauma, assimilation. Um, you know, there's so many times when things happen to our characters in Star Trek on an individual episode. And, you know, they get up next week and they start all over again and everything's fine. It's part of the, the way we tell these stories. But when you're trying to go deeper into character, you have to take some of those um, as having a lot more meaning and power to them. And, and that sort of loss of absolute loss of agency. Um, and then to wake up and know what you did 
um, while you're you were not in control of yourself. That just that's a horrifying thought. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So I, to me, it's no wonder that it would back up on a character like her or Picard. Uh, one little thing about the just the characters that I want to mention, and and I have no re- no particular th- reason to mention this other than just to, like clap because I love this moment. <laughs> My favorite line in the entire book, and we're going to have to bleep this, is Rafi beaming down saying, I'm ca- acting Captain Rafaela Musiker of the USS Nightingale. Phaser blast. <laughs> and I'm not here for your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like applauding <laughs> sitting in my car outside of work listening to that one this. so good <laughs> you know but it's also it's one of those things that's born of necessity right like when you're again when you're listening how quickly is a phaser fight going to get old do you know what i mean you just sort of like we'd had some fighting we'd had a lot of stuff going on we needed to bring that to a you know to a point so but i'm glad you like it was it. wonderful <laughs> so we only have a, uh, another minute or so what is the lesson that we're supposed to take away from this story? Well, for me, it has to do with the idea of love being something that you create, right? There's the feelings that um, accompany love in the early stages, but they are very different from what is required to sustain a relationship over an extended period of time. And while I think Rafi and Seven, um, certainly there was an attraction that they were feeling at the end of season one. And as this story begins, you know, it's a very different thing to contemplate committing yourself to someone for any sort of long-term thing. And I think both of these women have had both relationships that were very, you know, um, quick and relationships that were longer and deeper for reason didn't work out. So, um, so that was really the territory that I was most interested in, in exploring. What is it that makes the difference between these various kinds of love? So Mike, did you learn anything from this? Uh, about love or about, about (laughs) yeah, or about writing audio or anything. No, more about love or, you know, or (laughs) about living forever. Uh, not for me, (laughs) not for me. Uh, I think what, what makes life worth living is that we don't live forever. And I don't, I don't, nobody knows what comes after. And I don't think it's something to be afraid of. We're all going there and all of our favorite people are there. So. Yeah, what was it that Data said in Picard season one? A butterfly that lives forever is no longer a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be mm-hmm. a butterfly. See, we pay attention. That's our takeaway: be a butterfly. <laughs> be a butterfly. Ted Lasso, be a goldfish. Our uh, no man's land. <laughs> Ten be a, second memory. Be a butterfly. Thank you both so much for joining us. Uh, real pleasure to have you on the show for sure. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks guys. Anytime. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Okay. Great audio novel. Thank you so much. Okay, so now let's give our final thoughts, Dan. I'm just curious about overall, now we've talked to the authors and everything. What did you think of this audio drama? I really enjoyed it. And and I mean, you know, part of that is just the absolute hunger for the return of these characters. I'm really looking forward to Picard season two coming, but also the novelty of having something a little different. You know, we, we have lots of novels. Well, actually, we don't have a lot of novels this year, which is something, you know, well, I'm sure we'll talk about in another show. But, you know, it, it's it's a fun new medium 
to enjoy Star Trek stories in. And one thing that uh, I, I did want to ask and, and we didn't get a chance to was, and I don't know if they'd be even be able to answer this. Are there more on the way? Is this, you know, testing the waters for a new series of audio dramas? I really hope so, because this was so much fun. You know, it's an hour and 40 minutes long, and I've seen people online complaining a little bit about how short it is, but it's an audio drama. It's not a novel. You know, it's it's longer than an episode of Picard, but it's basically like a bonus episode, right? So I'm here for it. I really enjoyed this. And uh, yeah, uh, I guess I can give it a rating of, I'm going to say like four and a half badass Raffi lines out of five. <laughs> Very good. I I do think this is testing the waters. Uh, Maybe they're talking about doing other audio dramas and they want to see how this one goes, I would assume. But if this goes well, and then I'm sure that we will get more. And I'm hoping that we do. Because, you know, the way I look at things is before we had Star Trek come back to television, it was pretty much the novels and the comics for me that will continue stories in this universe. And I know we're getting fewer novels, as you mentioned, for now. But to me, that's okay, because now it's just I'm still getting a lot of Star Trek stories, but some of them are on screen, some of them are on the printed page, and now some of them are on audio. And hopefully we'll get more of these. And I really enjoyed exploring the relationship between Seven and Raffi because what was indicated by the last episode, Picard, I thought, well, I'm expecting we'll explore a little bit of that in season two, but maybe not a whole lot because I don't know if the story will allow much time with that. But to get this little side story that explores these two characters and the relationship is something that and like the rangers you know a little more on that it's it's just yeah it's a bonus Mm -hmm. and i mean that's what i love about having star trek in all these different mediums is we can get more of it and go into areas that other places can't explore the show doesn't allow for it and so it's definitely worth a listen to it's a fun story it's an interesting star trek story so i say that i'm going to give this Four out of five times that Professor Gillen said, where is Helena? (laughs) Home is wherever Helena is, Bruce. That's right. Yeah. You know, listening to your summary and your review there, it occurs to me that this story and other stories that follow it, hopefully, uh, can kind of fill that same little niche that the short treks filled as well, be- but with a lot less uh, production required for it, if that makes sense. So, you know, we keep hoping that short treks will come back. We'll get more stories that are just these little side stories. I don't know. I'm a little less hopeful now because it's been a while and there doesn't seem to be any movement on that. I think there's a much higher chance of more audio dramas like this. And in something like this, where you just need to record voices, there's probably a much better chance of bringing back actors who would otherwise not reprise the roles on screen. 
So, you know, let's have another Captain Sulu adventure. I'm sure George Takei would love to to voice a, a Sulu adventure of some kind. Walter Koenig could do a Chekhov story. We could have Riker and Troy on the Titan or something like that. You know, like the possibilities really are endless. Let's go back to Voyager and have, I don't know, a, a Captain Proton adventure with, with Paris and Kim. You know, like I... I I really think there's a huge opportunity for some really great stuff. And I would love to see them do all of that and things I've never even thought of because they're the ones that are paid to write stories, not me. So they'll come up with things way better than anything I've ever thought of. So, uh, come on guys, do it. You know, anyone out there, if you listen to this and you haven't purchased this, go buy it, go listen to it. It is so good. Let's encourage Simon and Schuster to make more of these. Absolutely. I would, yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. Yeah, exactly. Let's do more of them. So, well, cross your fingers, my fingers, (laughs) my toes, they're all crossed. (laughs) Well, Dan, when you're not listening to audio dramas, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can also find me on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And I'm also on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. You can even send me an email to Admiral underscore Rex at Yahoo.com. And I'm occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast and Literary Treks. So... That's where you'll find me. Oh, and we have a Goodreads group. Go check it out. You'll see the books that we're going to review here on the show. So you can read along with us. And then, of course, our Facebook discussion group. This is a great place of positive fans of Star Trek in there. Nothing negative goes on, at least not yet. Hopefully never. But we'll let you in if you ask to come into the group. And we're also on Twitter at Positively Trek and also on Instagram and then you can send us emails at positivelytrek at gmail.com. And I want to thank our patrons on Patreon for your support of the podcast. So with that being said, Dan, I say we go back and listen to that audio drama just one more time. Yeah, it's got to tide us over until the next one. And it's also got to tide us over until the next novel on the schedule, which has now been pushed to September, I believe. The Star Trek Picard novel Second Self by Una McCormick, which was supposed to come out, you know, next month, but or May, I think. But now it's been pushed to September. Well, we'll get here at some point, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But uh, I mean, OK, but you know, the other what? thing is this audio drama was announced like a month and a half before it came out. So maybe there's like five more of them on the schedule that we don't know anything about yet. I was just going to say that to you, Dan. We may be surprised. All of a sudden we hear some announcement of, oh, we're getting that in the next month or so. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I hope so. We'll have to change our name from the Positively Trek Book Club to the Positively Trek Audio Drama Club. Drama Club. Oh, flashing back to high school now. Well, we have a book club. We can have a drama club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Why not? The, start, the Positively Trek Chess Club. Yeah. <laughs> what clubs were you in in high school? Oh, man. Um, I wasn't really in very many clubs at all in high school, actually. Uh, I was on the volleyball team at one point. We were really, really bad. That was not good. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. My Uh, My extracurricular was all ski racing, which was not through the school, so... 
Oh, that's cool. Yeah. You just needed a ski. They didn't have, did they have a ski club at your high school or? No, nothing like uh, that. No. Okay. I was in Latin club. Oh, wow. Things. Yeah. Uh, one thing I remember is saying, ubi o ubi est meus sub ubi, which means where or where's my underwear. Huh. Oh. <laughs> and yes, I learned that from my teacher. Uh, shout out to Tootie. She's still teaching there. So Tootie said Ubi. No, sorry. (laughs) I'm not going to try it. (laughs) Right. I also was in band. So I I did play in the band. I played the French horn. Oh, I I did play the baritone horn in band. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm sure I was in something else I can't just think of right now. I did some drama, but I wasn't in the drama club, but I did... Mm. I was in certain plays and stuff, so I, I don't know. I can't think. I'm sure I'm of something else, but it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, well, there, you guys just learned a little bit of us about us, so, you know, whatever. Somebody I'll, go update the Wikipedia pages. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> go start one for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But anyway, hey, everyone, just, you know, go listen to that audio drama if you haven't already. And uh, till next time, we're just going to say stay positive. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.